Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome all those watching online, those at our Hazlitt campus that are streaming here with us in this service, as well as our McKinney campus. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us. We're glad that you're with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to go to a couple of places, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. We're going to look at a few verses there in one of Jesus's most famous sermons. And then Luke 15 is where we're going to camp out in just a moment. If you want to put your finger on Luke 15, it's a place where Jesus gives three different stories in repetition to emphasize a very important point. If you're new to Milestone, again, throughout the year, I'll stop and we'll have a, a weekend where we talk about vision and I just believe we're at such a critical place as a church and the season that we're in that I wanted to take a couple of weekends and I wanna do two things. Because when you hear about vision, you might think, well, Pastor Jeff's just gonna talk about the vision of Milestone. Well, I wanna talk a little bit about what God's doing among us because as we continue to reach more people and we like to call it spiritual family and people are becoming part of the family, I think it's just important to continue to remind ourselves of who God has called us to be. And to really invite some of you into some of the things that you're enjoying and some of the things you're experiencing to tell you the why behind the what, to to keep us anchored to the main thing, keep the main thing the main thing and keep us on course for who God's called us to be because ultimately it's his job to reach and to build and to develop, but it's ultimately our job to stay consistent with who he's called us to be. But I don't wanna just keep it at that level. I really believe if you'll lean in this weekend, then there's something there for you in regards to vision because God wants to speak to all of us about vision. You know, the Bible leans on that quite a bit, perspective and vision. It says that where there's no vision, then people live unrestrained and they don't live in the pattern and plan that God has for their lives. In the New Testament, Jesus would, we would see moments where he would physically heal someone of blindness, but it wasn't just about their physical blindness, it was about their inability spiritually to see things like he wants them to see those things. And so perspective and vision is a very powerful thing in your family, in your personal life. I meet so many people today that are a little bit unfulfilled or are wanting something to change or to see something different in their work life. Well, God generally starts in our lives in the area of vision before we see the fulfillment and the reality of something that he wants to do. He wants to speak to you in this area of your life. Now, we have a tendency a lot of times, and we just need to admit that at the very beginning, we have a tendency to see things from our perspective and not always God's perspective. Yeah, I don't know if you've realized this, but you, you have the ability to look at something and see it totally, totally wrong, totally misinterpret it. I had this happen a few years ago. One of my favorite stories is my youngest daughter. We were on a date. I, I'm a professional dater, by the way. I, 
I have a wife and I have three daughters, so if you need any tips and techniques, I mean, I'm, I'm your man, you know, so I'm a, I'm a pro dater. And uh, my daughter, Lainey Kate, and I, we were on a date. We're driving down the road, you know, and, you know, dads, man, you, you got to date them, you know, you got to buy them something, you got to hold their hand, man, you got to hug on them, you know, because look, look, look they, they're not looking for something else around because they got the best right there, you know what I'm saying, dad's the best dater, now, I'll be holding her hand, she looked over at me, she said, daddy, I love you, I said, well, let me just tell you something, you want a car at 11, <laughs> you want your mom's credit card, Come on, dads, your daughter, man, it's just like the rules are out, you know? And she said, Daddy, I love you. I said, well, I thought I'd test it a little bit. I said, well, Lanny Kate, you love me, but one day you will leave me. Now, this is a little more real because I've already had one leave me. But uh, I said, you're going to leave me one day. She said, Daddy, I'll never leave you. I said, oh, yeah, you will. There'll be a hairy leg brother come up in here. I won't really like him that much. I'm, I won't be into him that much. I, I probably just don't really like him, period. But anyway... And he's going to want to take you off, and you're going to want to go with him, and, and you're going to leave. And she just pondered it for a little bit. She thought, you know, Daddy, I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to get the guy, but then we'll just move in with you. I said, hey, baby, that's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to work. I'm still, you know, the oldest one. I'm like, hey, you can be dependent. You got this a full dependent there. I'm losing it on taxes, but I want her to be fully dependent now on you. Y'all know what I'm saying? But... Uh, you know, we have a tendency in our lives a lot of times from our maturity level, from our station, from our experiences, we have a tendency to look at a situation through the lens of what we know. And the Bible is there to reveal to us Jesus, but it's also there to change our perspective to God's perspective is part of the work the Bible does in our lives. It helps us to see the world through the lens that God sees the world. Jesus is talking about this in Matthew chapter six. He's teaching his most famous sermon, if you will, if we just kind of let Jesus preach this weekend. Jesus is given the sermon on the mount. He's there on a hillside. He's talking about life, and he's talking about all kinds of things pertaining to life, and he pauses in the middle of it, and he says this. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. In fact, the eye is the illuminating force. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, I don't understand what he's saying. Look, look at the rest of what he says, though. He says, it's a lamp, but if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What's Jesus saying there? I did a little research this week. In fact, learned something new. You can always learn something new with the Bible in the ancient world, they would have taken Jesus at face value and they would believe that the eyes are not just receiving light for sight because they didn't understand the biological concept. They believed that light emitted from the eyes. So what Jesus is saying to them, and they would have fully got what he was saying, and that is that if there's no light coming from the eyes when you become introspective, there's no light there, then you are looking into the body, the body becomes full of darkness. So what's Jesus saying? The more inward we become, the more self-focused we become, the more self-consumed we become, the more greedy, the more selfish, the more envious we become, 
the more our whole lives are just littered with darkness around our lives. He's saying that we have to understand where this light comes from God, obviously, but then as it begins to flow out of our lives through our, if you will, our vision, our perspective, and what we focus on, we get full of is what Jesus is saying. I wanna give you just a few thoughts on vision just for your life for a minute. Because I think, again, I think everybody wants more of God's vision. They want their light in their eyes to be more healthy. They wanna focus on what God wants them to focus on. They wanna see change, but a lot of times we don't know holistically from scripture how vision works. I wanna give you this just for your personal life. And this is really, if you're a, a mom, you can make a difference. If you're in the workforce, you can make a difference. If you're a teen Teenager, you can make a difference. A lot of times we think vision is just for those special people. It's those people out front. It's, no, it's for everyone. And God wants to give it to all of us. In fact, it's personal. One of the first things about vision, you're like, where do you get it? Is it a personality trait? Is it like you gotta get around some special people? No, scripturally speaking, when we see people have a personal encounter with God, on the backside of that encounter was more vision for their lives. It always happened. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his robe filled, and then he said, here I am, send me. He began to get directive of what God had on his heart and he began to participate in it when he saw the Lord. The apostle Paul who was in total opposition to everything that God had when he met Jesus on a road. And it's interesting that part of his transformation was a period of blindness to which then he was able to see again. And he said when he had to stand before King Agrippa, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. What's Paul saying? When I encountered Jesus, I received vision from heaven. One of the natural byproducts of an encounter with God. You're saying, I need more vision in my life, then you need to get closer to Jesus. You need to get more connected to the heart of God and it's not about your strategies and your plans and you working it out and you knowing this person, if I figured that out, if I had their opportunity, every time you get closer to Jesus, he fills you with more of what he cares about. Another hard part about vision is there's a process. How many of you were a part of, maybe online, attended our seed series that we did a little while back? How many of you, I enjoyed that series. And there's a moment in that series where I talked about how God works in our lives. He always starts with the seed. You know, vision is a seed, but then it has to germinate. It has to be watered. It has to grow. And where a lot of people lose in the area of vision is we don't want to participate with the process. I mean, God's always working something in our lives and it always takes time and there's through faith and patience and, and here's what I would encourage you. When you see it's from God, you're willing to go through the process to see the results that God has for your life. The, the next one though is in the area of vision, it requires provision. It, it requires resources. And I can't tell you how many people I've met who said, man, I'd really do something great if I had. If I had his talent or her talent, if I had his opportunity or her opportunity, if I had a different boss, if I had more money, if I had more of X, Y, Z, then I would do what God has called me to do. Wouldn't it be nice, any of you that have journeyed with God a little while, wouldn't it be nice 
that, that God would come to us and say, here's what I have for you and here's the roadmap of exactly how it's gonna happen. By the way, it's straight. There's no twists and turns. It, and it's gonna happen really quick. It's like the Autobahn. You can drive as fast as you want. You're gonna go from here to there. And, and here's everything you need for the journey. All the gas, all the fuel, every pit stop, all your lunches, all your meals. Here it is, take off. Wouldn't that be nice? I, I find it doesn't work that way. It's a journey with God. And here's what that word provision, the word pro means for. God always provides for what he calls you to, but he doesn't always give it to you on the front end. I think about the story in the New Testament where the lepers were healed. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. It's amazing. When they stepped in the Jordan, the waters part. So there's something about saying God's called me and as you step out, he provides as you go. And I wanna give you the final one, which is my theme for this weekend. The final one is my theme for this weekend and you may underestimate it. You may think, are you really, Pastor, gonna take a whole weekend to talk about this? Yes, because in my experience and as I look holistically at the Bible, if we want God's perspective, one of the number one things that holds us back from gaining more vision in our lives from God is the area of people. Think about this. Have you ever heard anyone say, man, this would be a great job if it wasn't for the people? Come on now, let's be honest in church. You don't have any problems unless you have some people involved. Man, I would love my job if I didn't have to deal with these people. Well, I wanna encourage you with something. God cares more about the people than he does the vision. God cares more about the people than he does the task. God thinks people over task. Tasks are only there for the purpose of serving what he cares about the most. And I wanna just stop right here and just tell it to you straight out. If you wanna increase in your ability to fulfill more of God's vision, then God's always gonna give you a greater heart for people. Now I'm talking to those who manage teams. I'm talking to those who would like God's vision for your home. You might dismiss and think, well that's not my job, I'm a little more on the task side. No, 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 no. Every time God wants to take you to a new place in his desire and plan for your life, he always starts with giving you a greater burden for what he cares about most, and it's people. And on a practical coaching tip, if you'd get better with people, you'd see more promotion in your life. If you just get just a little bit better at serving people and loving people and adding value to people, you'd see God open a few more doors in your life because when we read scripture, that's what he really cares about. I wanna take you to Luke 15 and I wanna give you again Jesus. He's giving three stories in repetition and repetition in the Bible always equals emphasis. So if you have a chapter in the Bible that has three stories that talk about the same thing, we should pay attention. When I, for 20 years, do 101, I talk about this story. For some of you, that's been a long time. For others of you, I've recently shared this with you. Some of you haven't been to 101, I encourage you to go. I always talk about this story because it's a calibrating story for the why behind the what. 
Because if you get trapped in the what, you lose energy and motivation for the why. You have to start with, why are we doing this? Why are we putting so much energy into this? Why would I want to serve at Easter? Why would I care about inviting someone to Easter? Why would I, why would I Jeff, grow in my love for people because most of the pain in my life has come from the people in my life? Why would I, why would I, why would I? Only if you see it from Jesus' perspective. Only if you let him soften your heart toward what he really cares about. So I've always used this passage to keep the main thing the main thing. And you know, if you get in church a little while and you learn a few things and you get your little pet thing you're studying right now, then you need Luke chapter 15 in your life. If you come to a church, and I know some of you, let me just say it up front, I know the lines are a little longer and it's a little hard to get off campus and, and, and you gotta have trouble a little bit trying to find a park and this and that. Like if you come to a church that's growing, you need Luke chapter 15. In fact, years ago I had a guy tell me we were trying to get some parking. We had people busing to get to church and one guy told me, he said, I don't ever have a parking problem, pastor. I said, yeah, I know. You've been flashing your lights and parking and guest parking for six months. <laughs> Do you take the brown bag too? You're like, man, I got a snack and some water every week, Pastor. I free coffee. I mean, this is a phenomenal church. I mean, I park right at the front door. If you have a little bit of a people kind of thing, Luke 15 helps you. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. Because if you're a pastor who's done 27 Easter's and you have to do 19 services, you gotta have Luke chapter 15 get you motivated. You're like, pastor, I thought you just woke up. Oh, this is awesome. You gotta have Luke chapter 15. You need this chapter right here. You're like, pastor, what's it all about? Well, it starts with some sheep. It starts with some sheep right off the bat. You're like, I'm not motivated. Never owned one, don't care to. But we didn't live in the time when Jesus taught this story in this time. Those sheep were very important. It's where you got your clothes. It's where you got your, your milk. It's where you got your food. They were very, very, very valuable. I mean, the entire economy sort of revolved around sheep. Jesus talked about sheep a lot. He says there's a hundred and one wanders off. Make no mistake, it's hard for us to see it from God's perspective. We're concerned about our position and our place and our seat and our part and our, we're concerned about that. He's always concerned about the one that's wandered off. Always. He's always thinking about the one. So Jesus tells the story. Again, there's these hundred, there's 99, they're doing fine. They're doing their 17th Bible study. They're doing, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out when Jesus is gonna return. They're, they're over here studying theirs, but then there's one though that's, that's lost. Again, we don't really care about sheep. Back my assistant, she lived here in Keller. They sold their home, they moved out a little north, got them a little hobby farm. You know, everybody in the city wants to live like they're in the country and everybody in the country wants to live like they're in the city. They got up there, they got them a few sheep. I think they got three or four. One of them named Lizzie, I met her. We went out there, there she is, I met her, that's Lizzie. And, and notice the, the farm, you know, it's got some pea gravel and Adirondack chairs there that you can kind of sit around a fire pit while, while Lizzie's there kind of just chewing on something, you know. It's, she's kind of like a dog more than a sheep. She's just like a pet. So I asked him, I'm like, now what are you gonna do with these sheep? This is amazing. What are y'all gonna do? I said, you gonna eat them? Oh, no, we're not eating Lizzie. 
Are you going to shear her? No, 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 no. We just let her just walk around. So we're trying to gather Jesus's value here. I, I like to think it's kind of like if we lost a car. Put that in your mind there. Lost a kid, lost a car, lost something you care about, lost both. I have teenage drivers, folks. This is possible. <laughs> this is possible to lose a car. Like, I, it could happen. I mean, my two daughters, one, they both knocked the mirror off their car, both each of them, each at different times. Shows the difference in their personalities. One of them came in sackcloth and ashes, repentance, came before me, Dad, I broke it, I ran, I hit a trash can, I busted my mirror. The other one duct taped the one on and just act like no one could see it. That's just two different, <laughs> two different, two different personalities. But I could go home Sometime this week and we've lost a car. How many of you know, dad's like, we're finding it. And Jesus says that there's one that's lost. Let's go get it. Let's go get that sheep because it matters. And here's the verse of scripture that messes with every religious mind. It messes with all of our perspective. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing. Everybody say more rejoicing. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Can I say something after leading you? I'm very proud of you for keeping the main thing the main thing, but leading a church through a recent crisis period, you know, this verse of scripture should be calibrating for all Christians, every one of us, our tendency to get more issues focused than people focus. Our tendency to get in a place of fear as to how something affects us, but forget what makes heaven clap and celebrate. To forget that Jesus is looking, yes, he cares about us and he cares about those things, but he cares about the one. But then he keeps going. He said, there's a lost coin. There's 10 coins and a lady loses one. Again, we have trouble relating because we have more than 10 coins in our ashtray or in our cup holder. I have a coffee can where I throw my change, right? You with me? Feel, you just feel rich when you take it down to the grocery store and pour it in that thing and get some real cash. Y'all know what I'm saying? We got more change laying around. You know, we, did, we got lots of it, but in this moment, in the ancient world, 10 coins, very valuable, lose one. And she does, I love this, it says, she searches carefully to find the coin. Searches carefully. I like to think of it in my world as the lost remote. <laughs> like we have five, four don't have batteries. I don't know what they all control on our smart TV because I'm too dumb. But when I get ready to watch March Madness and they're busy watching a Hallmark show, sometimes, you know, you just gotta get positional in your home, you know? You know what I'm saying? I don't really like positional leadership, but every now and then you just have to step up in there and say, the entire vision of your life right now is to find my remote. Are y'all with me? You just have to say, we're finding it. You ever lost your car keys? My, my wife, God love her, she loses her phone three, two, four times a day. Where's my phone? Last night, we left church. It's like, where's my phone? I'm like, I don't know. Well, there it is, it's in my Bible. Okay, all right, well, just a minute of panic and we found it, you know. We lost our phone, we gotta we got find our phone. Find our phone. Well, he says here that that's how we should view that one that's lost. And then I'm warning you, Jesus doesn't play fair. He, he really doesn't. Like He's like, if you don't get it from the sheep or the coin, Let's talk about 
a lost kid, and I'm not talking about losing them in the mall or losing them at Disney World, I'm talking about they're headed down the wrong path. And if you have a kid, man, that's the highest one. But if you have a brother or a sister, or you have a friend, or you have somebody that you're praying for, or someone that you love, you start tying into Jesus's story, because Jesus is appealing here to the highest level of emotion. And he says, there's a son. And in the Jewish world, it would have been as if he spit in his dad's face, slapped him, totally disrespect him, asked for his inheritance, and he goes off in what the Bible calls loose living, and he goes and squanders his entire inheritance. I preached on this passage when we were at 801. We had a, a building over on 1709. For some of you, you were there. I preached on it. We were busing people in. We were, had five services, and I preached on that passage. We showed a little video, and it was a very emotional weekend. I went out to shake hands, and a man came out after one of the early services. His eyes were welled up with tears, and he said, Pastor, this is my prodigal. This is my lost son. This is my son that's away. He said, would you pray for him? I said, yes, sir, I will. I went back up, I held that picture up in front of our church during those services, and I'm telling you, by the end of the weekend, I had little torn off pieces of paper. I had little notes. Pastor, pray for mine. 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 So Jesus is appealing. He's not playing fair. And what we all are praying for that person that we love is it says, he came to his senses. There's this moment where, by the Holy Spirit, you can't convince them, you can't control them, you can't change them, you can't make it happen, but there's a moment in the presence of God where the Spirit of God reveals himself to them, and the Bible says, the light bulbs come on, and he came to his senses, and he said, the servants at my dad's house are treated better than the way I'm living in this pig pen, and he headed back home. That's the heart for every person. I'm talking to someone maybe online. You're away from God. You know it's better at home. And God's saying, just come on home. Just come on back home. And what amazes us about the story is not the story is called the prodigal son and his lostness, but we're amazed, all of us are, by the response of the father. The father doesn't wait there. He doesn't have a list and a clipboard to check off everything he did wrong. He takes off running. And he embraces him. And then he throws a party. Throws a big party. Did you know there's another person in the story? Can I, can I say to you something here that can come on you? It can get on all of us. If you're kind of one of the insiders to this deal where you're at the house and you have the father and you are sleeping in the nice bed and you're around all of it, the older brother gets upset about the party for the younger brother that comes back. It's the picture of a religious spirit. Well, why, why do we need more people? Why do we need to care about that? Why do we need, well, it's an, well, the, and the father turns to the son and says something so powerful. Everything I've ever had is still yours. You haven't lost anything, but let me clarify something for you, older brother. While you're trapped in your self-consumed looking inward, let me say something to you. Your brother was lost, and he just came home, and we're throwing a party because heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing. Those three stories really calibrate us in our busy, calendared, self-consumed, convenient world. We get the heart of God, it, it changes your perspective. I know every time I preach it, every time I read it, every time I say it, I know many of us are like, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you why it's hard. 
Let me tell you why it's hard. There's no doubt any one of us would do whatever it took for our lost son, for our cousin, for our wife, for our husband, for our friend, for our dad, for our mom. And the hard part we have is the way you feel about that person is the way God. I'm talking about Jesus said, lift up your eyes to the harvest. And what that does to us is we, we have trouble lifting up our eyes to see every person that could spend eternity separated from Jesus the same way we care about the one that we know. That's what makes it challenging. When I look back on our history as, as, a, as a church, quite honestly, I don't really spend a lot of time remembering every message that I preached or every program or everything we did as a church or, or, or every initiative or all of those things are great and I'm sure I could look back in the history thing and see all of it, but if you wanna know, when I'm talking to someone or I had dinner with a, a couple last night who are new to our church and, and they're like, well, what do you love about your church? What do you care about? What are some of the things? that this, the, the young lady asked me that question. And so when I get asked that question, I start talking about people. Because I, I don't remember the problem we were trying to solve. I don't remember the building meeting. I really don't. I, I know it comes with all kinds of things. I, I remember the people. So when I talk about the cafetorium, and I know I joke about the hot dog smell and people getting a Coke while I was preaching, and that did happen. You're preaching, doo -doo 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 -doo. we appreciate it, brother. We're trying to feel cool in a cafetorium. But anyway, that did happen. But I don't really reflect on the pictures that sometimes our staff circulates where I had a comb over in a three-piece suit. I try to put that stuff out of my mind. But I do remember Jim and Jeannie Rogers I remember we had 165 people at the first service, went down to 70, had a Gideon revival. People were leaving in droves. People were staying away in droves. And for five or six weeks, we had 70-something people. And I'll never forget the Sunday when I looked out there and Jim and Jeannie Rogers were sitting in the cafetorium. And I thought, they look like they get a regular paycheck. They're never coming back. They're somebody's dad or somebody's parents. I was 28 years old. I'll never forget and then someone said, well, that's Jeannie Rogers. She sung at crusades all across the country. I'm like, they're really not coming back. <laughs> but that night we were having a leadership meeting and someone said, hey, can we go get some coffee? And I went to the Starbucks in Keller on 1709. And these are divine appointments where they had visited that Sunday. I went to get some coffee and Jim and Jeannie were sitting in there and they were talking about the service. And she said, I'd like to hear that young preacher's vision. And I walked to the door, and as I opened the door, Jim said, well, there he is. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? And I sat down there, and this is before we really were all in text threads and tracked each other on 360. I sat there so long, my wife was looking for me. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, I was, look, I was bringing that fish in the boat. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we're going to be friends. Jim serves on our board and has helped us so much with just financial integrity with his expertise and Jeannie's song. If you've heard Jeannie sing, I'm telling you, glass breaks, dogs bark. I mean, it's like human beings shouldn't be able to hit notes like that. Are you with me? I think about the people. We moved over to a little building there, Willis Lane. I think about Mr. Eddie and Ginger, those of you watching in Hazlitt or those of you online may not, but they're right here on the front row like they always are on the prayer team. And their son said, let's go to the movies, and instead of the movies, they went to a prayer meeting. That's just wrong when you do your parents like that. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
Mr. Eddie just had a, had a, he tells his testimony, seven DUIs and challenges and trouble and things in their lives and didn't know Jesus and he came to know Christ and his son baptized him in his swimming pool. And now the gift that he has to love people, there are countless numbers of people that have caused rejoicing in heaven because of him not going to the movies but coming to a spirit-filled prayer meeting. Man, you talk about a big transition. I think, about, I think about God's impact on people. You say, yeah, we then went over there to 801 behind Taco Casa. That's the house of the taco if you don't know what it is. Someone the other day texted me a picture of the new development in front of our Keller campus and photoshopped a Taco Casa into it. <laughs> That's wrong to do to your pastor. That's wrong. I don't think Taco Casa's gonna make the cut, but it'll be fine if it does. We can stay with the narrative, if you know what I'm saying. Joel and Samara, very powerful Muslim family. Samara comes to Christ, she actually sees Ginger having, the Ginger Gare having a Bible study and says she was looking for a church and came. And she began to pray for her parents, a Muslim family who all have come to know Jesus Christ and I think about those radical testimonies of a story. Now Samara serves on our team that helps people with Freedom Weekend. I, I think about people. I think about God's ability to impact the lives of people. I think about last Easter. I mean, it messed me up when I heard her story and I saw baptism. I, I think about a little thing like a yard sign and how powerful it is that Bella, this young girl, it just, it just messes me up. She saw a yard sign and called her grandpa and said, take me to church. Take me to church. Thank God there's a church that cares about Bella. Thank God there's somewhere that's saying, hey, I just hope Bella could see a yard sign and her grandpa talking to church and now her whole family has been transformed and changed by the power of God. It's powerful. Because see, we're busy worried about our convenience and where we're gonna eat lunch sometimes and God's thinking about Bella. That's what he's thinking about. We started our Hazlitt campus in the middle of a global pandemic. Last fall, all of the things going on and we had people and Pastor Ron Stagel and there you are right now, there you're in the cafetorium. And I've been there for a vision night and I met the Clark family. Their, their children, Nick and Bobby, they came here, Nick came, they came to TCU and so What's really a powerful story is Chris and Lizanne, they came from the San Francisco area. He, he's, the, he's the CIO, I think, or CTO of Levi Strauss. They, they, they moved here and because their kids had come here and they, they come in, they've never been to anything but just come right into a cafetorium and I met him and God was working on his heart and he came to know Jesus Christ and got water baptized recently and their entire family has been transformed. Because of us investing and sending and people going and having church in a school over here on the west part of the Metroplex. I think about people, you say, Pastor, how do I kind of connect with that? How do I get in touch with that? Let me give you a couple of ways. First of all, here's how you grow in it. You have to ask God to help soften your heart to value what he values. He's the only one that can do it. It's not my stories. You'll forget those after service. It's not just the, the, the timeline of inspiring things. It's God, help me value what you value. In the book of James, 
I, I want to tell you, this verse just kind of hit me just strong. This is, this is Bible dealing with you kind of verse. I don't know if you've ever felt like, God, I'm praying for my business. I'm praying for my family. I'm, I'm praying, but I just feel like the, the prayers aren't going higher than the ceiling. And I'm wondering why I do a lot of praying, but I don't do a lot of receiving. Look at this verse right here. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You, you, you ask so that you might spend what you get on your own pleasures. Can, can I tell you how to make fireworks go off? I meet people frustrated in their jobs. I, I say this a lot, but it, needs, it, it bears repetition because I find myself talking to people privately about it. When you connect what you do every day to the plan and purpose in the heart of Jesus Christ, you begin to sense a momentum and a dynamic. It begins to be a different deal. So now it's not, I'm praying for what I need, I'm praying for what's on your heart, Jesus, and you and I are in partnership together, and that's when you begin to see a synergy with heaven. I've said it this way many times, the Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you'll get into what Jesus is into, you might find him get into more of what you're into. You might see him show up a little bit more in your life, learn to value what he values. And here's the thing, it's just this simple. Those people who think outwardly, as you do that more and more, as you value more and more, as you, as you do that, you begin to recognize that fulfillment comes really in our life from loving and serving others. The happiest, most life-giving people that I know are people that are externally focused. The people that I see that struggle, that never have a good day, are the most self-consumed because the light in their eyes has gone out and the focus of their life has become inward and it just becomes increasingly dark. What you focus on, you get full of. And I don't know about you, but focusing on myself doesn't really inspire me a whole lot all the time. But the more I look at what Jesus says, I thought about this because I know you really wanna grow in it. We all need to and want to. I thought about just making it practical here in my final moments. How do you do this? I'm willing to be inconvenienced to help someone else. I know we have our, on our phone our exact plan for the entire day. Have you ever noticed when you really feel like you have your day lined out, a person always interrupts it? Now I know some of you who really like to plan, it just crosses, don't come in my office right now, I'm trying to get something done. And invariably it's like, boom, here's an opportunity, here's an inconvenience moment. During spring break, we took our kids, rented a little place, went out east where I'm from, and little lake houses, spent some time, rented a place, and it's in my, my older kids now. Again, some of you at this phase, you know, you, you try to set up moments to get them to come back. Y'all know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like, we wanna see you, come. We've got this place, you know, you don't have to pay for anything, just come. They're like, free, we're in, okay, all right. But anyway, so we had a little moment, and I have a friend that I met in that area, and, and, and he and I were talking, and and it was like we had a little family thing planned, but I went and connected with him, and then while I was connecting with him, he said, our church, he, he had a God moment during COVID like a lot of people have. Like he, he recognized his own mortality, and he had a moment with Jesus, and I've been sending him resources and ministering to him, and I've been talking to him, and he's really gotten on fire for God, and he joined a little church right there close to this, this place we were staying. And he said, Pastor, 
Oh, yeah, Jeff, you know, he said, like, I know this is, you probably won't do this. And I know you're with your family and stuff, but like our little church, we're trying to get involved in outreach. And would you, would you come, you know? And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but I'm like, this is crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing, why would I do this? And it's like, honey, just give me a little grace. My family was waiting and I just said, okay. And they were having a little committee meeting at their little First Baptist Church. And I found myself in a fellowship hall sitting with like a pastor and a deacon and one lady that played the piano and two other people. And I'm like, how did I get here? And they were asking me, how can we reach our community? And, and I started giving them ideas and, and I said, hey, we'll give you what we got. And this one little old lady started crying. She said, I can't believe this. Like this pastor of this church from them, we don't even know how this happened and we've been praying and we didn't know how to solve this problem and our mayor's asked us to help with code violations and y'all have already done it and y'all have an ability to help us. And she started crying. She's like, I just feel like God's answered my prayers. <clears throat> Look, if you're too important to be inconvenienced, you're just too important because God has something important that's on his heart. And you know what he was? He, he was listening to that little lady's prayers. And we have the opportunity as a church because of your generosity to impact some people that you've never met and you don't know and probably never will meet. But that's how God works. I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to be rejected to serve someone else. Because by the way, if you help people, sometimes it doesn't always go like you plan. I'm focused on people instead of issues. I'm looking for simple ways to add value to people. I'm willing to invest my time, my talent, and treasure to make an eternal impact. I know everybody has a plan for how you should invest, but we should be a little more conscious of what I'm investing in. Will it affect heaven rejoicing more? I, have, I, I may invest in someone that I just met or maybe I haven't ever met. I'm intentional about, intentional about praying for and inviting people who feel on the outside. Let me take you back to Samara's picture. You may have wondered what was going on. She's riding on the foundation of our building right here at the Keller campus. And that's what people did before we moved in. And did you know what she's writing on that foundation? She's writing scriptures and prayers as people did for God to touch her parents, which God did in this very place. So you're sitting, if you're at the Keller campus, and you're a part of the prayers of people that came and wrote on the foundation of the church, the names of people they had never met, and just know this, anytime you're in an environment where you are impacted, people before you loved you and served you before they ever met you. It's always that way. I wanna pray for you, and I wanna pray for every person listening to me right now. There's somebody, maybe you're that lost person someone's praying for, and you can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. I give you my whole life, Lord. I, I thank you that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Maybe somebody right now, this is your moment right where you are just to say yes to Jesus. I, I believe you rose from the dead. I, I believe you love me and I wanna give you my whole life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know so we can help you begin to grow in that relationship. But I wanna pray for every person under the sound of my voice. God, give us a greater burden for what you care about. Our lives are consumed with so many things that occupy our affections and our attentions. Today, today, Lord, we, we just afresh and anew dedicate ourselves to your passion, your heart. Lord, thank you for valuing us. Lord, let us value what you value. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.